0: This podcast acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which we record, the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people. We also acknowledge the neighbouring Kulin Nation groups, the Bunwurrung and Bunurong people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. We also extend that respect to any other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities who may be listening today.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to another fabulous episode of Glitter and Gold, the original Steps podcast, the first podcast dedicated to discussing and dissecting the legacy of Steps, the UK's biggest mixed gender pop group of all time. I am your co-host Scott and as always I am joined by my two happy-go-lucky co-hosts, He has just been paradise lost on his summer of love. It's Shane. And he will make sure you're feeling fine and having a real good time. It's Brad. Hello, (laughs) boys. (laughs) Oh, look,
0: I'm back and I'll never get over you both. So, you know, (laughs) it's good to be home. I'm
2: glad you turned around (laughs) and came back.
1: Shane, I feel like... You need to. So, welcome back. You've been Thank away. You. You've been in the UK, in Europe, having a fabulous old time. Obviously, you saw Claire at VR. You also saw Delta. So, please, in about five minutes, tell us how all all it was. Claire was at VR. So, I landed in
0: Manchester. Uh, I was delayed, but I got there in time. It was all fine. Uh, and. You know, I got to the club and they were already playing fucking Steps when I walked in there, which is just... I just, You know, I love going to clubs in the UK because Steps are just on rotation quite regularly. I think they were playing Deep Shade of Blue when I walked in. She came on about 10.30 and she, you know, started off with No More Tears. I think we did some footage. Um, She did about six songs. It was like No More Tears, one for Sorrow There, I Surrender... Uh, tragedy, just so emotional. So emotional. That's right. Yeah. And euphoria. And euphoria, of course. Yes, that's right. And she went off. Everyone was just going crazy for her, and um, <laughs> it was. I was with um, Grant, who's known as V at Capital, was like standing with him and some other friends I and mean, with some Aussie friends there who were there as well. My mate Fraser. From adelaide he listens to this shout out fraser he hello he's gonna froth that i've shouted out to him now um he was there and he cried because it's actually the first time he's actually Aww. ever seen anyone from steps live so he was actually so emotional um so <laughs> 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 uh and i was just relishing in the fact that um that that was happening i wasn't right up the front but she saw me and did a little like wink and a wave when she saw me which was really nice i wish I wasn't so tired because I ran into a few people that night who um, asked me if I was one of the hosts on the podcast. So I got, I got I'll, I'll do quotation marks here for the audience. Um, recognize? That's not even a fucking thing. <laughs> this guy called Nick, uh, who listens to the podcast as well, he came up to me, he had a, an Alexa Play Steps t-shirt and I was like, oh, bitch, that's my t-shirt, I've got that. And we had a little chat and he met Claire um, because he knows someone at the bar, so they took him backstage. Whereas I didn't know anyone at Via, um, and she came out in the laneway behind the show. Sorry, sorry. She came out in the laneway behind the venue, but she finished her set like an hour after she started. So she came on about ten thirty. It was done by eleven thirty, but she didn't get out of the venue until like one quarter past one. And she I... need to have her bubbles. <laughs> I was tired. I had just flown 23 hours yeah, from Australia. you literally
1: arrived and then went straight there.
0: Pretty much. So I didn't bother. I thought she would just gone straight home, but I didn't bother going to the laneway to wait for her. Um, but I wish I did because I would have got to meet her and say hello. But, you know, she saw me and she did a little hello when she saw me. So, um, And we made eye contact many times throughout the thing because I was like, you know, five or six rows from the front, like five or six people deep from the front. Met a few more Steps fans, like people who follow the pod, which was really nice, uh, and had a really lovely evening there, so that was fun. Then the next night, I just decided to pop down to Birmingham and see our girl Delta, um, which was really fun, and ran into so randomly this lovely gentleman started talking to me. We were both by ourselves. Shout out to Rian, who I met, and turns out Scott knew him. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
2: <Small laughs> so world. I'm
0: 17,000 kilometers away, and this lovely gentleman starts talking to me, and we talk about, you know, Delta and rah, 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 and discover that I'm on the pod. He's like, Oh, you're on the, the steps pod. And I'm like, Yeah, my mate, I do it with my mate Scott. And I'm like, Blah, blah. He's like, Oh, I think I know Scott. And then turns out he did. So that was just funny and
1: hilarious he was really really lovely so So he he runs for any I'm sure many people follow sugar babes UK on Instagram Mm. so he um, runs that account and during, before the Sugar Babes came to Australia, I was messaging him and telling him, you know, all the details, etc. and was referencing Shane, or I was saying my friend works in ticketing because you had details of the numbers of what they'd sold. Literally. Then we then you pieced together that you were the friend that I was talking about to him <laughs> nine months <laughs> Literally. ago.
0: Literally, he goes, oh, yeah, when the Sugar Babes went to Australia, like, Scott was telling me, like, the numbers and the ticket sales. I'm like, that was me telling him those numbers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's That's small hilarious. world.
0: I could tell you more about my holiday, but some of it was like quite debaucherous and probably. Maybe, for the,
1: a... maybe the after after dark version of the yeah, podcast, the the uncut <laughs> version The Patreon. Yep. <laughs> yep.
0: the up late version. Yep.
2: Let's get into some steps news and guys, we did it again. We manifested not only a top ten, not only a top five. Euphoria went to number two. Very Amazing. well done, Miss Claire so, Richards. So
0: good. How nice was it when it went to number two and then she did that that post and she got a bit emotional? I was like, oh, babes, you deserve it. it.
1: so emotional. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: pun intended. But yeah, it was so lovely.
2: Such a phenomenal achievement. We're so happy for Claire. Team Fascination.
1: Everyone did a really good job. I just wanted to give a couple of shout-outs. I firstly wanted to call out Lee, who runs Claire Richard Central, during release week he was literally the chris jenner of steps he was all over it like he every interview radio appearance tv appearance he was on it in godspeed so just a shout out to him for all the amazing work if you guys are not following him on instagram go and follow Claire richard central right now a further shout out to him and friend of the pod robert o'connor they did an incredible euphoria listening party on release day. Yes. Which on Station Head, which it was so much fun. I It was very early Saturday morning our time, but they're such supporters of us that I got up and jumped on to support them. It was very much like being in a chat room back in the day. The guys did such a great job. I, of course, had to hijack it and I talked about No More Tears and So Emotional because they're my <laughs> favourites. So I had to hijack it and talk about Delta. So, of course. big, big shout out to those guys as well. I think you can listen to it still. If we if you can, we'll leave it in the show notes. Um, great. Yeah, they just did such a great job. And hopefully, there'll be more of that to come in the future. I also want to say a massive thank you to another friend of the pod, Neil and his husband, Richard. They are just two of the most beautiful souls ever. Agreed. I was speaking to Neil the week of release, and he was going to see Claire in Liverpool at the HMB signing. And I didn't do the Banquet Records uh, personalized CD that they were offering. And I just said to Neil, look, if it's too much trouble, would you mind getting me a signed CD? And he obviously was more than happy to do it. And when I woke, basically, I woke up the morning after the signing because of the time difference. And not only did he send me a message to say, got the CD signed for you, I had a video message from Claire. Oh, cute. For, via Neil, uh, saying, shouting me out, saying hi, you know, sorry, I can't be there, etc. Um, it was way more than I had expected. It was so nice of Claire to do that and Neil to, to organise it. So I just want to say a massive thank you to those guys and to Claire for doing that because that was just very, very sweet. So thank you very much for that.
2: That's so lovely. We love Neil and Richard. So it was number one on the sales chart and the downloads chart, the vinyl chart, the record store chart and the independent chart. Number two on the physical charts, number three on the Scottish charts and number 17 on the... On the ultra pop Wallonia charts, thank you, Belgium. Well, oh,
1: not everyone has that.
2: Not everyone has that. Tim Sims, don't know him.
1: Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> if you've seen Muriel's Muriel's Wedding, you will get the reference.
2: Speaking of Tim Sims, Burner <laughs> Boy is who <laughs>
1: that was that fantastic. He was who was number one <laughs> on the physical chart, Brad. So yeah, unfortunately, like yeah, didn't Speaking quite of Tim Sims.
2: Uh, she's just finished up the last known her last known booked gigs for 2023 with Pop World Festival in Liverpool on the 23rd being her last for the year that we know of. Uh, She also, in the last few days since recording this, released a super deluxe edition on Euphoria on streaming. It doesn't include the solo version of Summer Night City, but it's got 29 poptastic tracks. (laughs) And we also got... Very exciting. Scott has been had been manifesting this on his vision board for years. We got a music video and lots of footage between Claire and Delta Goodrum.
1: I do, you, we got a lot of content. We got a so lot much content. of content yeah, from that, um, from that session that they did together. Look, the video was cute. I think they did the best with what they could do, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, totally. And I, I yeah. thought it was really fun. Like you know, I still would have loved the roller the rollerblading with the shoulder pads and the eighties vibes. But you know, and maybe, topless boys maybe next time, topless boys. But and disco balls and, stuff and like disco that, yeah. balls. But you know, yeah, I'm glad that we got something out of it. I wish we had gotten a performance. Maybe we still will. Knock on wood. Do you know there was? I think people were um, expecting it at so Delta show in London. Steve was there, and I think a lot of people saw Steve in the audience and then assumed that Claire was going to pop out. And I think we had, you know, I think we were all hoping that that might've been the case, but um, yeah, unfortunately didn't, didn't get the performance, but you know, we will manifest that we might get it one day.
0: I was going to say, just to touch on, on this again, and Burner Boy, uh, I don't know if you've seen David from Chicago's little post on Instagram today, Um <laughs> He got, obviously got a, a, an email from Ticketmaster saying, pre-sale happening now for Burner Boy tickets, and he's written, on behalf of Claire Richards' official fans everywhere, I shall be by the arena doors with eggs blasting euphoria. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that was for uh, the uh, concert in, Ch- in Chicago. Goodness. Shout out to you, David. Shout out, David. S- speaking of which, I caught up with David in... We saw the sugar babes together. He was there. And we went for brunch um, the next day with Matt from Ultimate Steps as oh, well. yes, you did. Really shout nice. out, Matt. So, shout out to Maybe. Matt. Shout out, Matt.
1: Um, shout out, David. Yeah, so that was fun. Anyway, back to news. Quickly with Claire. Um, literally today or yesterday, she's also on an episode of the Good Food podcast the BBC Good Food Podcast. I listened to it today on Spotify. Go and listen to it. It's very... It's a different kind of interview because it's food-focused, but we know, you know, Claire is the queen of the kitchen. So, it's a very interesting conversation. So, go and have a listen to that if you haven't heard it yet. Just quickly, I need to share with you, um, Claire was honoured
0: for Marie Curie. Yes. In 2020, she became a Marie Curie ambassador, and together they with with them, she's achieved the following amazing results she's raised raised over eighty five thousand pounds through virtual quizzes, donated hundred and fifty fifteen thousand seven hundred and fifty twenty five pounds in game show winnings uh, secured a game-changing partnership with Omaze raising 2 point1 million, amazing. which is the largest ever Omaze UK house raffle. Um, obviously Mario Curie is a um, a company that will help people. That uh, you know have been diagnosed with terminal illness, and Claire has, you know, supported that and has been an ambassador and is the winner for this year. So that's fucking phenomenal and well done to Claire.
1: Um, so we're moving on to Lisa Scott Lee, and kind of like Claire, she's finished up the the rest of her Pride performances for the summer. She performed at Manchester Pride on the twenty seventh of August. And she performed at the Eagle as part of the Manchester Pride closing party on the 28th of August. And that looked absolutely bloody incredible. I'm so gutted, Shane, for you that you couldn't attend that because it just looked so fun. That
2: would have been a fun night. Yeah, I
0: know. It would have been the icing on the cake for the trip, you know, like especially at the Eagle. Oh, God. God, that would have been so good. Anyway.
1: Yeah, it looks so much fun. And just a big shout out to Lisa as well, because I, you know, she's done such an incredible job this summer of really bringing back Lisa Scott Lee, the solo pop star. And she posted something on Instagram after the final gig, sort of just calling out that she's very grateful for the fans for really kind of embracing her this summer as she gets back out there and performs on her own. She called out that she wasn't you know she had some nerves and didn't feel particularly confident at moments uh but we just want to say that we are so proud of her and she is an icon as we know and we hope that this is just the beginning of her doing some more solo gigs in the future so a massive shout out and well done to lisa never or now it's nearly here it's days away finally what feels like forever (laughs) Um, There were some production delays that pushed back the release by a couple of months, but it is coming Friday, October 13th. Plastic Pop Records, pre-order it if you haven't. There is still time. But we did also, a few weeks ago, get another Instant Grat track 24-7 with The Skywalkers. So that is out now on streaming and digital. And it's so good to finally have that track. That track was actually written back and recorded back in 2007 uh, and yeah. I think it was earmarked at one point to be a single in some capacity, but it never happened. There's been remixes out there by Seventh Heaven that have been on YouTube for a while, but it's great to finally have the, the proper radio edit. Um it's a great track. I'll be
3: dreaming of you 24.
2: A little bit um, like don't hold back by the pop bellies, with yeah, the I can guitar. That. I can see that that link there. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm. I, it's great for the gym. If you need a gym track, twenty four seven on the gym at the gym. It's it. It'll, good for lift you know, club. It, good for the lift club. Good for lift club. So that is it for Lisa. Moving on to Lee. He recently filmed an episode of Celebrity Mastermind, and usually these things there's three or four months between when they film these things and it's out. So hopefully it's out before the end of the year, but whenever it's out, we will let you know on the socials and don't forget that he is playing the Prince in Snow White Panto at the Redditch Palace Theatre from December 8th. Get your tickets, Google them because I don't have a link for where you can get them. Just Google it. (laughs) I don't know. Brilliant. Shane, Faye. Hey, oh,
0: what's going on, Faye? Firstly, I want to say that was one thing that I didn't get to do that was on the list. Is I was supposed to go and see Faye in Forty Second Street in Dartford, which is just sort of southwest of Lo- southeast of London, and I got an email, you know, a week before. Funnily enough, I was in. Spain, and I watched BBC News because all the other channels were in Spanish and I couldn't understand them. And they had a report about this concrete issue that had happened with some concrete that, you know, degrades after time. There's lots of schools and buildings that have it. And then the next day I got an email saying, oh, we need to put your shows on hold, and then they were cancelled. And it was because the theatre that Faye was going to play in um, has the same concrete, so... That's a shame, but that's okay. Um, It is what it is. So speaking of 42nd Street phase, nearly done with that at the moment um, with dates this month in Southampton and then we're on to Newcastle, Manchester and Belfast before doing the Panto in Bristol at the Bristol Hippodrome from December 2nd, where she's playing the Magical Mermaid. She recently did a fashion segment with
1: Lorraine, which was kind of cute. I'm loving Faye Tozer TV presenter era. Yeah, me too, me She, too. like, rocks it. She does. I want more. I need a talk show I, from Faye. I want yep. Faye the talk show. Tozer's Corner. <laughs> Love that
0: BBC, name. if you're listening, I've coined that phrase. Yep. Give me some money. Approved. Um... <laughs> Um, yeah, so she did recently that fashion segment with Lorraine and that was kind of cute because Strictly's back on and Faye loved her Strictly time and she I think she came second on that. So, you know, we love that. Moving on to Mr. Ian e. H. Watkins. He's been enjoying a lovely break with his partner and kids in Spain. Um, he has returned back to his radio show on BBC Radio Wales on the 15th of this month, um, September. Uh, he's been very active across his... Standard Instagram page is Ian H. Watkins and Ian H. Watkins Art on the socials, obviously. Um, she's back painting and all that sort of stuff. One thing I did see that he did on his Instagram page is he went to a wedding of... I don't know who these people are. Oh, my are, God. That but wedding this wedding, was wedding like... had, like, the Vivian um, Louise Redknapp performed at it, I think she did. Yes. Um,
1: and Perry from Little Mix did, yeah. I think, like, Eve did. That yeah. wedding, it wasn't a wedding. It was, was like an awards her, show. It was like yeah. an event. <laughs> it like, like it. <laughs> it was insane. It was for... S- it was Simon Jones, who's a very well-known PR um, manager. Him and his partner got married, and yeah, it was extravagant. And I was like, I need to be there. <laughs> um, this is the place to be. The
0: other thing we forgot to mention with uh, Lisa's news is that she recently took over the meet and greet and jumped on stage with A1 in Dubai. <laughs> yes,
2: <laughs> which I love. she did.
0: Smash hits nine ninety eight. Anyway, um, Hage is also going to be playing the Spirit of Christmas in Elves Overboard for the Cowbitch Panto later on this year as well. Google it.
1: We'll put all the links in the show notes so you can get all your tickets for all the pantos. They love a panto, as we've said before. So I guess that leads us into the episode. Scott, what are we going to talk about this one? Yes. So look, when we first discussed doing the podcast, one thing that we always knew we wanted to do was a series of episodes about the band's success here in Australia. So our second episode, Good Morning Australia, covered the Step 1 era, where steps were probably arguably bigger here than the UK in those early days. And then our fourth episode, we left them in Thailand, focused on Steptacular, when the band moved from local record label Mushroom over to Zomba, Australia, and things started to stall slightly for the band down under. Now for this one, we're going to go back to 2001 to look at the releases of Buzz and Gold. For this, we have enlisted the help of Gavin Scott, who I'm sure you will all know from the incredible podcast, A Journey Through Stock Aiken and Waterman, and A Journey Through Aussie Pop. Gavin worked at Smash Hits Australia in 2001 as deputy editor, and was the man responsible for pretty much any coverage steps we're getting in the magazine at this point. So throughout the episode, you will hear from Gavin as we take you on the journey. And he gives his views and insights into this era. But look out for the next episode, which we will drop in the coming weeks, which will have the full interview with him. We ended up speaking to Gavin for, God, hours. And we had the most incredible conversation about what it was like working for TV Hits and Smash Hits during that time the state of the Australian pop scene at the time, and just so many other incredible insights and stories, including sugar babes, chopsticks, and M&Ms, and sitting awkwardly in a boardroom listening to a pop star sing. So get ready for all those stories that you'll hear from that interview uh, very, very soon.
0: Before we kick this off, Brad, I just want to say I'm so glad that we are doing this episode, because when I had people come up to me, in Manchester and saying, uh, you the, on the Steps podcast, one of the things they all said was like, I love the Australian episodes because we didn't know what was going on. We don't know what happened in Australia. So we loved, they loved hearing about, because they're fans, so they loved hearing about all of the, the stuff that was happening down under. So I'm so happy that we're doing this um, this episode.
2: So during the last Australia episode, we left them in Thailand. We mentioned that Say You'll Be Mine was released in January 2000 and peaked at 21 Around that time, the label brought over Faye and Claire for promotion, but that didn't improve sales, and the decision was made to stop any further singles here from Spectacular.
0: So in general, from early 2000, they changed their focus from international promo to UK touring. Uh, it made them more money and had less time to travel to Asia and beyond. Um, the band did do a lot of global promo across the world in the first half of 2001, but they only came as far as Japan, and straight after that, they went back to the USA for the Teen Nick special. There also seemed to be uh, internal pushback to come f- for coming back to Australia. Uh, There was an interview with Live and Kicking magazine in early 2001 where Fade confirmed they had plans to come back to Australia if they could get H on a plane. And actually, that ties in with um, an interview he did, I think, in 2020 about, and we've touched on this before, about they came to Australia the first time. The second time, they were like, we're only flying business class from now on. (laughs) Because the first time they jumped off the plane, and within hours, they were on Bert Newton's show, singing Last Thing on My Mind. So they should. So anyway, yeah, I agree. So anyway, so now between Say You'll Be Mine and their inevitable comeback single, which we'll get to shortly, um, the UK got "Deeper Shade of Blue, When I Said Goodbye and Summer of Love. Do we have any final thoughts, boys, on whether those songs could have worked here? Um, I, I might jump in first if that's all right. I, I think "Deeper Shade of Blue had that edge to it that could have done really well here. Yes. Summer of Love and When I Said Goodbye, No. Um, but deeper shade of blue. No, like, like when I said goodbye, I just would have. Oh f- no! Like it may have, it may have ballady worked as a double A side, but no. I remember, you know, when you watch like Channel V or MTV, and they have little clips and interludes and so forth. I think at one point Deeper Shade of Blue was potentially going to be released here or was in the, the the throes of being released here. So I remember seeing little clips of Deeper Shade of Blue's film clip with like Lee with his top off and him as the character that he's dressed as in between other little clips where they were just packaging up going, MTV, watch us always. They just package up all these different clips. But I only recognised that because I knew the film clip, right? Because I got that CD single that had the film clip on it. Or um, well, that... Compilation shaking it. CD shaking, shaking it. It. CD. it Yeah So I remember seeing On MTV here in Australia And on cable TV Little bits of the F- Deeper Shader
2: clip, But the song was never released I think Deeper Shader Blue Could have definitely Made a difference here I think And even I actually disagree with you Shane I think Summer of Love With that Latin sound With you know Ricky Martin Jennifer Lopez That's why I don't think It would have worked Because Like <laughs> I love steps And I love them
0: But it's not as cool Latin sound as... like. And Australia likes likes it when it's a bit cool. And also, don't forget, it's very American-focused. It's starting to become really American-pushed at this time. Um, And we've touched on this in previous Australian-based episodes. And it would have been like steps trying to do that, and I just don't think it would have worked. I mean, I wish it did. I remember talking to my friends at school about it. I was in year 12. And I played it for them and they're like, oh, yeah, it's all right.
1: (laughs) I think it would have worked because I think Deeper Shade of Blue is visually, it's a visual song, right? The video is, it's an impactful video when you watch it. And I think that at that time, it also had that American, kind of American vibe that Australia was starting to edge into that I think deeper shade of blue would have also made them a little cooler. Right? Whereas Summer of Love, I I can I understand what you're saying, Brad, about the Latin influence because that was very prominent here. But I also think visually, Summer of Love, the bright colours it could have been mistaken as a little bit more kind of kid-friendly, like we talked about with Love's Got a Hold on My Heart, right? Where in Australia... No, that's that is true. sort of, that's what a lot of people kind of started to think with that particular video. I think Summer Love would have had the same impact. I think with Steps, especially with how Steps ended up going and what we're going to talk about, where we got a little bit more of a mature Steps branding moving forward here in Australia... So I think deeper shade of blue would have been the perfect um, segue into that, and I I I think it would have been I don't think it would have been top ten, but I think it would have done something, and it may have had some radio play, and it may have actually recharted the album slightly. Like I think it would have maybe given the campaign a little bit more life. Agreed, definitely. So it's but it's funny that we talk about that because at the same time. Our friend Gavin um, had just moved back to Australia by this point and was working at TV Hits. So let's hear what he thought about the long pause in between releases and the potential for Deeper Shade of Blue to be released here in Australia. Working in the industry, did you ever kind of get an understanding as to why there was a pause?
4: I seem to think that they always were like, oh, we'd love to do more we'd love to get them out here for promo. And it was, that was an ongoing theme that if only we could get Steps out here, the full group for promo, we could do more with them. And we could release that next single or that single if we could get them out here. So I feel like that was a um, a running thread in that Zomba would have loved to have done more with Steps, if only, dot, dot, dot. I mean, I wasn't happy about it at all because I thought Deeper Shade of Blue, and to a lesser extent, Summer of Love were real missed opportunities in Australia. And I, I remember hassling the zomba publicist uh, about, you know, when you going to put out Deeper Shade of Blue, Deeper Shade of Blue would be a hit. I mean, the video could have changed perceptions here, because it's a cool video, it's an expensive looking video. And I think had that got on video hits, it it would have blown up i mean video hits was always tricky because the guy who ran video hits had very he made some interesting choices about what videos he would and wouldn't play uh so you you weren't always a lock at video hits when you thought you might be but i thought especially deeper shade of blue that could have i mean maybe not been top 10 but i think it would have been another hit
1: i love that gavin said that he hounded the zomba publicist to release deeper shaded blue in australia because he had the same feelings that it could have done something here and it was a bit of a missed opportunity
2: in the end though after a long 14 month wait we were gifted with the comeback single stomp released 5th of march 2001 it debuted and peaked at number 62 (laughs) I remember this moment so clearly when I found out Steps were releasing a new single. I was in the supermarket. My mum was doing the shopping. She sat me out in front of the um the magazine section because supermarkets used to have a little magazine like aisle. And I remember it was K-Zone magazine and they had a review of Stomp. Can't remember what it said. But I remember running to find my mum because I was so excited that uh, Steps were releasing a new single. When did you both realise or find out that they were coming back so to speak
1: i have been struggling actually to remember this and my memory is pretty good with a lot of this stuff but i have a i do have a memory of watching uh by demand on channel v in the front room and stomp came on and it must have been before it was actually released because i I got a shock that it was being played on channel v so it must have been around february 2001 That must have been the the first time that I remember getting like knowing that it was obviously being released because I saw the video on Channel V, but I I must say I must admit I'm I'm, I struggle a little bit to remember the details of like the lead up to it. But yeah, I think seeing it on Channel V was probably the first time that I knew it was coming.
0: Yeah, I'm the same as you, Scott. I struggled to sort of remember when Stomp sort of came into my sphere. Like I was out of school. I was actually studying my first sort of year of, you know, uni or whatever you want to call it. I was doing travel and tourism. I think maybe I discovered that it was being released in Australia by like reading Gen Steps. I think that's where I discovered it. And then I went down to the music store and purchased the CD single, which doesn't have, it's not the same CD single cover as the UK. It's different here.
2: Okay. So if you haven't seen the cover, A, Google it.
1: I should also just point out in our notes, it's literally the dot point, that cover. (laughs) Because that's how we feel about it.
2: I wanted to call this episode at one point, the blue cover of Destiny. The blue cover of
0: Destiny. (laughs) It's more purple. It's, it's more purpley, like yeah. It is more purpley.
2: It's a blue purple cover. It's the buzz, the UK buzz logo of Steps, and it is just a blue purple cover. It's very Ministry of Sound unknown artist kind of vibe. There's no image of the band. There's, it's just Steps stomp. So, I struggled. Like, I mean, I definitely, I mean, obviously, I could, I found it, but at the time and 20, however many years later, I still, I mean, I've talked about it with you guys. I talked about it with Gavin Scott. I wonder what they were thinking.
1: So yeah. I, I remember, I also have a memory of, I don't think I actually knew the cover was different until I went to buy it. <laughs> I, I can't, I really can't remember them. I mean, this is 22 years ago. I, as I said, I can remember most things, but I'm really struggling with, with this particular bit. Uh, but I remember going into Sanity. Shout out Sanity Greensboro Plaza yet again. It's going to get a lot of <laughs> shout outs in this episode. <laughs> and I'm I distinctly remember going to look for that the the, the UK cover. Couldn't see it, and I almost. Kind of missed it because I wasn't expecting to see that the other cover that we ended up getting. So I remember already that's probably a little bit of a thing around you're looking for steps visually, you're looking for them on the cover, but we couldn't, we didn't get that. No. So I al- always have wondered if that actually had a part to play. But I believe my theory on why we got the cover we got was the other thing we didn't mention. It it was actually Stompers, the theme song, or one of the songs used for the 2001 Sydney Mardi Gras, the um, televised version on Channel 10, and it was used in all of the adverts for the televised, um, like the parade being on TV. So I think you've got it being used as a theme song. It's that disco vibe. As we just said... Alice DJ, you know all of those sort of ministry of sound artists were coming up and it was the thing to just have an artist' name and a song title and some random graphic. and I I, I feel like that's what Zomba were trying to emulate there. They were trying to market it as a as a club club song rather than a steps pop song.
2: And the video was never playlisted on rage or video hits either so that didn't help. No, you know, it's just like Gavin just said in terms of the people behind video hits were quite um, selective at times with their songs. So for whatever reason, Stomp didn't make the cut. But let's go to our dear friend Gavin now and hear his views on Stomp, including that cover and also the coverage that he was able to give the single and TV hits when he was still working there at the time. Do you think Stomp was the right comeback single
4: after their year and a half or 14 months away? Absolutely. Because not only is it an amazing song, but it had been a UK number one. And that still meant stuff here that, you know, it was a UK number one, UK chart topper that that has uh, selling power in Australia. And I don't know if it was a deliberate choice. Let's not put them on the cover and let's, you know, people might think it's this cool dance track and it'll sell that way. I don't, I never heard that. No one ever said that to me, that that was the plan or that was the thinking behind putting that cover. But I can just imagine that maybe it was like, well, let's downplay that it steps and let's just, even though the word steps is pretty big on the cover, let's downplay it, put this out there, let people discover it. Maybe some DJs will play it and then it will become a hit or whatever. But I was like, no, I mean, this is gonna sell to pop fans and pop fans walking through Sanity or no brushes was gone by then walking through Sanity, flicking through the CD singles want the five faces from steps to jump out at them from the rack. They don't want some random blue cover that they might just flick past because it doesn't say anything to them. So not having steps on the cover. I, I mean, I don't know, maybe they didn't like the wacky hairstyles on the cover, because they were pretty wacky, right? <laughs>
3: they
4: were Lee, yeah. Lee's hedgehog That's,
3: hair. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't
4: know that that was the thinking, but I'm just guessing that maybe it was an attempt to, to downplay the Stepsness of it. And that comes back to, because steps were, by the time Stomp came out, in a lot of people's minds and by people I'm talking about radio programmers and TV programmers and the general public at large, they think 5678. So I guess maybe it was a let's remove ourselves from from that connection and reinvent steps with a cover that doesn't feature them on the cover. And I did do a mention of the music video in the whatever my music pages were called, and I had it and the girls on top video. Uh, for girl thing, it was like, look, disco's back, because they were both disco dance routines. Uh, so I did screen grabs of both and was like, hot new disco songs, and that was kind of all I was allowed to do, uh, because not so much resistance, but it was kind of like, our oh, well, steps haven't been working, so yeah, let's give it a mention, let's do something, and then see how it goes. That was kind of the attitude of of the editorial team at TV hits so smash it would have had more room to do stuff because they had more music pages to fill whereas at TV hits we were still doing a lot of Dawson's Creek and Buffy and that, that kind of stuff home and away obviously yeah uh, so smash it probably could have done more on steps and I think it just would have been again a case of uh yeah but they've been gone for a long time and the last couple of singles only went top 30 and blah 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 and not having uh, steps obsessive on Smash Hits at that point, they probably just had other fish to fry.
0: As what Gavin said, with such little coverage, it's inevitable that the song didn't perform. You know, uh, the top fifteen around that time had very little pop, and we we only really had Leanne Rhymes. Is that Can't Fight the Moonlight? Is that what is that what the song was? Yeah,
1: yeah. And then the number one song at the time was uh, Eminem, Stan. Yeah. yeah. And the top ten was we had Lincoln Park in at number four, Coldplay were at number five, Outcast, like Crypt uh Three Doors Down, Shaggy, like it was limp biscuit.
0: Remember Debla Morgan Dance With yeah. Me?
1: That was a one hit wonder, wasn't it? Public domain. So it was a very heavy like the top ten, top twenty was very heavy American and rock or indie. Teenage dirtbag lol. There really wasn't a lot of pop in there. I think Vitamin C.
2: Shout out to Vitamin C, The Itch. I did love that song. Just another thing about what Gavin was saying in terms of the credibility of a song being number one, I also have a super clear memory in my head that there was an afternoon show on Channel 7, 4 p.m., on like weekdays, and I specifically remember they always played one video at the end of each week or each episode, and they always give a clue in the ad break beforehand. And the clue they used was this song kicked
1: off YouTube from number one. Do you know what I think that show was? And I'm gonna laugh because I I love how we both would watched it. It was called. I'm sh- so sure it was called Girl TV.
2: <laughs> Girl TV. Yeah. <laughs> Girl. And of oh, of course, I really- two
1: gay men would have known that. Do, there was a show on channel 7 around this oh maybe it was a, it was maybe just after this time but There was a show on Channel 7 in the afternoons and it was like a bunch of like teenage girls. And then at the end of every episode, they had a music video. I'm wondering if it was that same show.
2: Was it in a caravan? Like, I swear to God, there's this video. (laughs) Okay. So Scandalous were also on it and Joanne. I've got very clear memories of this. Oh my God. Okay. So this episode, I feel like we've talked about it in previous episodes. I feel like Shane, you've got very clear memories of where you were when Step 1 came out you know, being on your trip to, I think it was Japan or Germany. So super clear memories. Scott, you've gone to the spectacular Tour. This is where my memories and like, like your brain as a kid, this for me was that moment. So all of these things are like crystal clear. I'm sorry, but the title of this episode is now Girl TV. Girl TV. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get over it. Okay. So as we mentioned, not playlisted on Rage and TV Hits. It was on Channel V, but it wasn't really played. Gavin, love you, Gavin, gave, gave it a little bit of coverage on TV hits. I'm sure maybe there was a blurb about it somewhere on Smash It. No review. I would remember if there was a review. No review. 62, I think it had another couple of weeks on the top 100, fell off the charts. Buzz was originally scheduled to be around released around the same time. It was mentioned in FHM Australia's January issue. Around this time, uh, Claire also was interviewed by a local Australian gay newspaper, and she mentioned there was potential plans for Steps to come to Australia in the beginning of 2002.
1: It was like the the, the carrot that was dangled quite a bit. It was mentioned quite a lot that they were going to come back, yeah. So, after this,
2: there was a bit of a rumour that It's The Way You Make Me Feel was going to be the next single... Unfortunately, that never materialised. Let's hear from Gavin as to why he thinks it was the best decision not to release that song.
4: Because I I love the song, but I don't think it would have connected here. That's quite interesting because I actually f- always
1: felt the opposite because it, it was written by the Swedish guys. It had that American maturity. I always felt that could have been the one to connect. With but I think again. because
4: it was closer to a ballad, I think Here and Now and You'll Be Sorry were more like if you look at the Scandi pop stuff that did work here, it was the Stronger's Oops, uh, Bye Bye Bye, that kind of stuff. It wasn't the Westlife stuff, the Westlife Scandi stuff didn't do as well those big cheer on ballads. So I think it's the way you make me feel tapped more into that ballad. So whereas here and now and you'll be sorry, were more anthemic
1: i distinctly remember with this is it's the way you make me feel rumor because i was running steps international by this point and i remember is written in the hit magazine lift out in the herald sun remember the hit lift out on thursdays of course uh in the herald sun telegraph in sydney and I, it must have been a cameron adams because he did a lot of the writing at the time for that and i'm sure he mentioned that that was going to be the next single at the time here.
2: It was also rumoured possibly here and now Summer of Love to line that up with the the European release, even though it wasn't Summer here, but since when does that matter? Let's be honest. And this is where I've got to give my own shout out. This is a very shout out heavy episode, but this was when I started to embrace the internet because I had gone from, you know, video hits telling me when the next step single was out to all of a sudden it being quiet. And so I had to basically... Joined the internet for the first time. I found Generation Steps. I found Ultimate Steps. They're still going around. We're still very grateful for them.
1: What other website did you find, Brad? What other website were you also going on? <laughs>
2: Gator. Hey, hello. <laughs> Manhunt. Genuinely, hand on my heart. Steps International. I went there first thing every morning, Scott. Genuinely. Aww. Like that was my bi- that was my bible. That was my, and even like in the years since of becoming an adult before I got reconnected with you, Scott. I would go on archive.org trying mm, to find that website. I know
1: it's not on there. I don't know I don't know how archive.org works. Is my atomic kitten website is on there, but I don't know why steps one isn't. It was hosted on GeoCities, so I don't know if maybe that's why, but yeah, anyway. The next single that we got in Australia pretty quickly after stomp to be honest. It was only it's funny, we went from sort of nothing for 14 months to two singles pretty much back to back. Here and now, you'll be sorry. Was released on the sixteenth of July, two thousand and one, and it peaked at number seventy one. And it spent a couple of weeks in the top one hundred. We don't, obviously, unfortunately, we don't have uh, specific charts week on week, but we do know it did spend a few weeks in the top one hundred. my memories of this is that there was there was coverage of this and it felt like there was more than stomp it kind of felt like the wheels were starting to get back into motion at this point very slowly um, here and now was supported by a competition on video hits, which meant it got played literally every episode for a number of weeks like and something you'll hear about in a moment when we talk, go back to Gavin is he mentioned that video hits competitions were like the the record labels would fight to get their songs as part of a video hits competition because they that meant they knew they were going to get promo for a specific amount of weeks, So I do remember this being played on video hits and being quite shocked actually that it was more than once, right? And that it was on a competition. I thought, God, you know, something's happening here because we're getting that coverage again. You'll be sorry, completely ignored. Didn't see her, don't know where. Which is a shame as well, because I do think that was another missed opportunity here. Um, I know here and now it definitely has that, Sync vibe that I think we, we touched on in the American episode. So I can, I can see the thinking process behind going with here. And now you'll be sorry here, but it's a shame that you'll be sorry. Didn't, have a little bit of a moment as well. But we also, we did get a, an exclusive, uh, the CD single here in Australia. It had steps on the cover. So that's a win. Progress. And it was a six track single. So it was like a, it was basically CD one and two from the UK mixed together with, I think there was like an additional remix that the UK did get.
0: Let me tell you, I was working in Sound and Vision at Kmart. So I had all charge of all the CDs. So we'd get the boxes of CDs in. I can tell you right now, it was on display All the time.
2: Good boy. Prominent
0: everywhere. Every copy was up and I would always be playing it. So you'd you'd come into that part of the store and you'd hear Steps.
2: Doing the Lord's (laughs) work. Absolutely. There was, interestingly, a little bit of promo that I remember trying to find back in the day, but I never could. Steps did a web chat with girlfriend.com.au Apparently there was also a poll there to vote for your favorite Steps member and it took place around the first or second week of August, 2001. If anyone somehow has that, Feel free to put it, send it in my DMs.
1: I have a really, really like this is a vague memory and I could be making it up, but I have a feeling I was I went on that web chat. Or I remember I remember the web chat. I remember knowing about it from probably Gen Steps. You both
0: <laughs> just told me you watched Girl TV. Of course you went on the web chat. <laughs>
1: I feel like I went on this web chat. Now I'm my brain's sort of like trying to dig. I, I, feel, I feel like I may have gone on it. We're uncovering mm, core memories. Love mm, it. Couldn't, that's all I can tell you. I can't remember anything else, but I, I feel like I did did join the web chat.
0: I have no comment for this because I did not do any of this. I did not go onto girlfriend.com.au because <laughs> I was
2: 18 and not looking at girl magazines. <laughs> <laughs> Did you not read, like, the... What's it called? The hidden section. That was pretty... Of Girlfriend Magazine.
0: Oh, and Dolly no. Magazine as well with the... No, like, no, I didn't... know because I didn't need to, because I could jump on the internet and see whatever I fucking want. You know what I mean? It was very slow, though. Yeah, does, that didn't stop me. <laughs> I could also go out and get it if I wanted
2: to, you know? <laughs> That's also going to be on the Patreon, so just, you know... <laughs> But I have in a very exciting post notes. Now I'm not gonna shame anyone who watched Girl TV. <laughs> it sounds like a great TV show. The show that I was referring to was The Big The programme was presented by four oh, the hosts Big-Avo.
1: who yes. hosted the
2: show in a large model bus. I remember that now.
1: I don't remember the bus, but I remember the show. So it's interesting to note around this time, and we spoke about it in the previous Australian episode that Literally the same week or the week before Don't Stop Moving by S Club 7 debuted a week before Here and Now and ended up being one of the highest selling singles in Australia for that year. And around the same time, you had Strawberry Kisses by Nikki Webster, Icon, (laughs) which was number two around this time. It's Raining Men by Jerry was top five. Uptown Girl by Westlife was also top 10. We had five with Let's Dance. That was in the top three. It's kind of, it's almost as if Here and Now was too mature of a release, funnily enough, because this was the month in the year that Australia suddenly wanted to kind of, you know, be cheesy and Cheesy Pop was back in. So it kind of felt like we'd waited for so long. And then suddenly the top 10 is full of Nikki Webster's and Jerry Hallowell's and, here and now might've just been a little too much of a step. I like what you did there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So look, as a steps fan and as much as we love S club seven, it definitely was a bit frustrating. I know for me to see don't stop moving do well and stomping here and now not so well. So let's go back to Gavin now on why he thinks it did so well and the ruthless fight labels would have to make sure they could get that Video Hits competition slot.
4: Don't Stop Moving tapped into that cool, spiller, daft punk, mojo kind of sound, but with a pop edge. So the sound was slightly cooler. It was 2000s disco, not 70s disco the video was sexier. The video was darker. The stomp video is still primary colors, bright, fun mucking around with that guy who owns the warehouse or whatever at the start, you know, yeah. it's, it's a fun <laughs> yeah, yeah. light video. Whereas don't stop moving were you know, they're pulling those moves. It was a bit sexier. So as we said earlier, if, if there was something with a bit more edge in the pop world, that was going to work better than something that was pure pop and quote unquote cheesy pop. And I, I think that that's what it, cause you know, as I said, reach didn't do well here and that's as cheesy as it gets. The ballads never did well here. And, you know, even acts like Britney and NSYNC from the bottom of my broken heart and this, I promise you did nothing because those types of singles didn't do well here. Those really slushy ballads didn't do well here. Often if, um, something was going to get a video hits competition because the competition for the video oh. hits competitions among the record companies was fierce. Really? That was Tell guaranteed yeah. exposure for what, four weeks in a row. You'd have steps have a brand new single chain reaction. And then if you want to win, call double O double five, you know, so record companies would, would jockey for those competitions spots on video hits,
0: It's not fair. Like steps should have done better at this time. Atomic Kitten, you can touch my hole again. Exactly. See? Like,
2: it's, you know, number nine. Anyway. It's just it's just timing. It's it's not fair. And I think Gavin does make some good points that, you know, that Chiron kind of style was, especially if it wasn't like an up-tempo banger, it just was falling slightly that little bit short in Australia at that point.
0: I guess speaking of here and now, Scott, um, not only was that song released on the 16th of July, what else was released that day?
1: Yeah. So interestingly, as well as the single Buzz was also released on the 16th of July, which definitely back in the day always felt like a little bit of an odd decision. Uh, we had, the, I mean, it was, what, nearly two years since the release of Steptacular. So I know for all of us, we were just excited that we were finally getting a new album by Steps in Australia. Buzz was released here, It was what, we're looking at about 10 months after it was released in the UK, so I'm, I'm sure by that point, all three of us would have already imported it. I know I did. Oh, I, I know I had. At... I didn't. Oh, yeah. I did not. I bought it at HMV in Brisbane when I was on holiday there in December of 2000, I remember, and it cost like $60, because remember, the bla- import CDs were not cheap. No, they weren't. Like, an album was like $50, bucks, and $50, bucks, that was a lot of money back then. I
0: remember getting it from HMV, Burke Street.
1: Crazy. So the Australian release, much like the European release, we got the alternative artwork, uh, which I personally prefer that sort of more monotone, black, white, grey vibe, and we got Brad's (laughs) favourite song, Human Touch, as a bonus track.
2: We all need (laughs) the.
1: And in a video filmed last year during the Platinum Collection promo, H actually commented on this particular artwork and said that they needn't had bothered with international buzz artwork since they never sold any albums overseas.
3: It's not very exciting. No, it's very bland.
1: It's very bland. I think they were... Make, it's not just the international release. Maybe they were trying to make us look cooler. Yeah. It <laughs> was sophisticated.
4: <laughs> it didn't work because it's we never the album.
1: This is not going to work anywhere else in the,
4: <laughs> <of> the
3: world. <laughs>
1: it's not, it's like- I wanted to just tell a story about when I bought Buzz and Here and Now. Another shout out to Sanity Greensboro Plaza. I went to Sanity Greensboro Plaza on the 16th of July. I remember it was a Monday I remember my mum must have gotten home early from work because she had to drive me to go and get it. I think I forced her. I was like, Steps, have a new album out today. I need to go and get it now. Like you have no choice. You have to drive me. Only and child. I remember going, only child syndrome. I remember going to Sanity. I remember. I remember the album wasn't, in, like, the new release section. I just had to, like, find it in the S. You know, they didn't even bother to, like, put it on the wall. I was very upset.
2: Shane, you needed to go to every single store and put it on the display. Come on. I was going to say, Scott,
0: you should have come to Kmart Fountain Gate, babes.
1: We didn't have a Kmart in Greensboro. We were bougie. We had uh, Maya, I think, at that <laughs> point. Or well, then it moved to a Target. So We were upper, <laughs> upper class in Greensboro. Bougie. Um. Anyway, I remember... So, I... I grabbed the album, I grabbed the single. I'm so excited because also I love that European artwork. So I was so excited to have human touch. I go to the counter. I vividly remember this woman that served me said, isn't, aren't these songs on the album? Why are you buying both? Why are you buying the single if if they're on the album? And I, I don't even know what I said because I was probably half embarrassed or half like just like taken aback. But I, I was I must have said something like oh no I'm a fan like I need to have you know all the versions how dare she I I just couldn't believe, especially she probably needed to to make her budget for the day. She should have been grateful that I was buying two items for her KPIs. Well,
2: hopefully Cheryl's dead somewhere, so she can go. So hopefully. (laughs) Here and Now and You'll Be Sorry also would have, weirdly enough, even though they were released on the same day, it would have been the album had the album versions and the singles were the single versions.
1: Exactly right. Exactly. It had the sound. Yeah, exactly right. So I needed it for the alternative versions.
2: Scott, you definitely are the only child, and I am the third child because I was not allowed to get Stomp. I was not allowed to get Here and Now. You'll be sorry. I was only allowed to get Buzz. That was is that because it had all the songs on my We had other siblings. Yeah, right. Exactly. Mum was like, "Nope, you get you can only get the album." I didn't get any singles really after Happy Tragedy, but I'll that's child abuse. I'll um, yeah take that to my therapist. <laughs> well, I was putting the album and the single out
0: on display, playing the album. At the store for everyone to listen to, to the point where my colleagues are like is this Steps again? Can we put something else on? Then they go to their lunch break and I put it back on.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm sure if we got some stat sheets, um, Here and Now was a bestseller at Fountain Gate Kmart Correct. in 2001. <laughs> thanks to you. Yeah. I'd be upselling this CD with everyone. They saw a spike in sales. Someone's coming and go, can I please get $50 worth of mobile phone credit? Oh, do you want to buy this CD as well? <laughs> Look, as we said, the album, it got minimal, very minimal amount of coverage here in australia compared to what they had gotten in the uk there was a four out of five star review in smash hits in the september 2001 issue tv hits also did a feature on the album but as we said it unfortunately missed the top 100 and i always find it really interesting because zomba like it's ultimately a business right so like you're releasing an album it's an investment and i sort of start to wonder it felt like you know, if you're going to release an album, you want it to chart. So I could never get my head around where is the promotion if you're releasing this album? It kind of, to me, it felt like a bit of a, let's get this out so we can move on release.
2: Agreed. Uh, You know what? As an adult now, I do question like, why would you bother? But as a 10 year old kid, I would have been hurling abuse if they'd canceled the release. I probably had like, illegally downloaded but i wanted the physical copy i would have been absolutely devastated and i think as we're about to hear they knew that even though maybe the audience wasn't as big as it used to be there was they thought there was an audience for it but let's hear a little bit more from gavin now about his thoughts on the campaign and the coverage he was able to try and get steps whilst he was still working for tv hits
4: one of my last things at TV hits was I spoke to both Faye and Lisa for that album, oh, wow. uh, and separately. And I think because again, the publicist was like, oh, Gavin will speak to them. And <laughs> so not only did I get one, I got two, and I don't know if it was a case of it being difficult to place interviews that I got to. So I spoke to both Faye and Lisa for bars and the most space that I could get in TV hits was like a half page or three quarters of a page where I combined both Q and A's with them and, and did a catching up with steps. And it was about the album. And I think I asked a love question or something, because you had to ask a love question. Faye had just got engaged, I think. So, uh, So yeah, so I got some steps in the magazine in TV hits, because I had done those interviews. Um, But yes, it wasn't a big spread or anything like that, unfortunately. But I was always angling to give Steps more space at at TV hits. I was more successful once I went over to smash hits. Uh, But yeah, it, it just it was a shame. I mean, had they come out here for Buzz or for Stomp? I mean, if they had to come out here for Stomp, I think it would have been a very different situation because they would have done all the tv shows they would have got more exposure than they did which was next to nothing and yeah I, I think that was a missed again a missed opportunity if they had have come out here for stomp and then that would have had a knock-on effect on bars. because australia loves it when pop acts can sing and not all of them can as we know but steps can and really well so i think had they been in the country and shown look we can sing look, we can do acapella look, you know, we can do the dance routines as well. And we're not that 5678 group. Yeah, I mean, that that album cover choice would not have been a mistake. That would have been, yes, this is gonna work better here in whatever strategy meeting they would have had, it would have been, let's go with that cover rather than that cover. Absolutely 100%. Was it the right choice? Maybe? I mean, I, again, I don't know that the album was going to do very much here off the back of one single that had, hadn't charted that well, and another one that came out at the same time that also didn't chart very well, and no promotion beyond some phoners with journalists who were already fans yep. anyway, <laughs> with <laughs> yeah. me, um, I'm with you. <laughs> so I think the, the, the thing about um, them coming out on the same day, I have a vague memory that Zomba didn't release stuff every week that they released Ah, fortnightly ah, and i could be making that up but um i feel like sony universal they all released stuff every week there'd be stuff coming out i feel like zumba might have been fortnightly because they were a smaller label and so they you know would have just made more financial sense to put out bursts of stuff as I say, I could be making that up, but that, that rings a bell in my mind that that was what they did. And so maybe it was like, well... And sometimes it was this rolling thing of it getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. and Which we know what happened with Buzz. Like Buzz was pushed back after from the first...
2: From Stomp. It was going to be released from Stomp, yeah.
4: Yeah, and it would be, well, let's wait, because the next single might be a hit, so let's wait and do it then. And, oh, okay, let's wait and then do it there. You know, so there was that situation happening all the time. I don't think they would ever just put something out for the sake of it. I think they would always put something out expecting it to sell a certain amount of copies. And maybe they thought, okay, well, steps have a fan base here. If we can sell X thousand copies of this to that fan base, rather than them importing it, and us not getting that money. Mind you, 10 months is a long time to wait. Yeah, I I mean, I imported it, but I still bought it. Same, but maybe they, because there were different tracks and artwork, they're like, oh, well, people will buy it again. So that maybe that was part of the strategy as well. Well, if we stick a different cover on it, the fans that were already own the UK version, will buy this one too, and we'll give them a bonus track. It'll do what it's going to do. We'll push it as best we can because, you know, they put out plenty of other stuff that didn't do so well. I remember them always putting out mystical singles on jive the rap rap was big um but yeah but they never really did anything but they still because the rap did really well and i was like well let's keep trying with you know so there was often a case of well let's keep trying because you never know it could be the one that's gonna explode
1: There is an ad for the album that was in the Herald Sun, again, in the Hit Lift Out page. Probably shout out Cameron Adams. He probably made that happen. But it did say includes the hits. It said like includes the singles, Stomp, Here and Now, You'll Be Sorry, and Summer of Love. So again, I do always wonder if there was a potential for Summer, if again, it was on the radar and then it just never happened.
2: Herald Sun advertising is expensive. (laughs) So that was the promo, Shane and Scott. They just put all their eggs maybe in that
1: basket and, you know, it was what it was. So, look, around this time in August, rumours went into a bit of overdrive on what the next single release here was going to be. And I'd probably say my website (laughs) had a lot to do with those rumours. Yes, no, it was your website. First report suggested it was going to be a re-release of One for Sorrow... And at this stage, it had not been announced that the Tony Moran mix was getting a, a sort of release in the UK as a double A side with Chain Reaction. So I do remember at the time, it was a bit of a strange report, but it did, I guess, end up technically happening. And I know, Brad, you have thoughts and feelings on this because you always bring it up with me that I, you remember me reporting on this.
2: No, it was 100% you because if it would otherwise be on... You know, or any of the archives, it was you. So I don't know. Maybe you had, f- maybe you emailed Zomba or.
1: Well, I do remember at this time I actually used to call Zomba, <laughs> and um, <laughs> I remember a lot of the time they thought I was. I think I remember once I called and they thought I worked for like Sanity or something because I they must have thought I was like asking for release dates, <laughs> and I remember. Talk, ask, calling them about the release date of Chain Reaction specifically. And, um, oh God, they must have just humored me. I can't remember what happened. But yeah, I was calling them quite a bit at this point just to get some answers. But I also remember that a few days later, and we've, we have found in the archives at Gen Steps that this was true, that it was reported that it was actually then going to be a double A side release of Chain Reaction and Summer of Love, but that ultimately ended up not happening. And by September, it was confirmed that both Jane Reaction and Gold were getting a local release with Lisa and Claire promising in an interview that if the release goes top 10, then they will tour Australia in late 2002. So yet again, dangling that carrot.
2: It's so interesting. Like, you know, we all have these bits and pieces of memories of, you know, Lisa and Claire doing an interview here, Lisa and Faye doing a phone with Gavin, like, there was promo being done. Zomba clearly were, you know, trying their best. And because I'm a stickler for facts, I do want to give the right shout-out. That Chain Reaction Summer of Love is actually from hclaire0.tripod.com. Look them up. No, they are a brilliant archive. I don't know how it's still online. There's probably someone listening to this who made it. I remember that website. I very I do. So around this time, Chain Reaction and Gold was
0: released in the UK. Smash Sheets Australia featured a somewhat controversial article called Whatever Happened to Steps. This article appeared in Smash It's December 2001 issue, which was released around October, November. Um, And when asked if their success overseas had suffered due to focusing so much on the UK, Claire said it probably has. When we first started, we um, saw success in the UK and jumped on that. I think we should have concentrated more on certain countries, but we knew we had the success there in the UK, so we were frightened to go away for too long. So let's cross to Gavin and see what he says about this and what his take is on why Smash Hits did this article.
4: Yes, well, it was actually a double-page spread featuring a whole lot of different artists of, of whatever happened to dot, dot, dot. And that was my way of getting steps in a feature in Smash Hits. So yes, I was I was at Smash Hits by now. I was deputy editor, so I had a bit more sway on on what went in and what didn't, and we were a music magazine with a little bit of TV as opposed to it being the other way around. So I might have done a Claire interview or I might have No, I think I did do the interview because there were questions that only an Australian would have asked, looking back at at the questions which I did the other day. Um, so i had this interview and it was like right well i don't want it to be three questions up the front in planet pop how can i convince my editor to give this a bigger run and i was like okay well let's do a whatever happened to you. so we did aqua we did hansen we did bewitched a smaller element whatever happened to each of them and then the steps q a was like the holding thing of the spread of whatever happened to Steps. so it was my way of getting some coverage for steps finally even if it was a bit of a... I wouldn't say it was a negative story, but it was a, okay, they haven't been so successful. What's been going on? Is that going to change? So, like pure journalism.
2: <laughs> Can I just say, I love that Gavin is such a stand. went out of his way to do this article, helped get the word out there, the initial word out there about the greatest hits, and it's just brilliant to see. Bravo, Gavin, bravo.
0: On the 17th of December, 2001... Gold was released in
2: Australia. And keep in mind that it had only been a few months since Buds had come out, and we didn't have Chain Reaction as a single yet. So let's hear from Gavin
4: as to why he thinks Gold came out first. If Gold came out just before Christmas, it would have been to try and get Christmas sales. It's a best of, and so... Around that time, there's a lot of best ofs. So, if you've got a best of album, you want it in stores before Christmas because it'll get packaged up with all the other best ofs in displays, insanity, or or wherever. Uh, So, that would have been the thinking in, in making sure gold came out the right side of Christmas sales and exposure. In store, it was definitely. I remember, and he makes a really good point
2: that like I definitely remember seeing ads like where like gold was featured as one of the albums coming out for Christmas at Kmart Fountain Gate.
0: Kmart yeah. <laughs> Fountain Gate. So I remember putting it on the shelf at Kmart where I was working. It was Christmas time. Woo-hoo. Good boy, upselling for the for, good for the stocking, good for the Christmas stocking. It did fail to chart in Australia, unfortunately. Um, heartbeat. Better the Devil You Know and Here and Now were not included on this release despite being singles here, while four
2: non-Australian singles were. Scott, you got so mad about this on Steps International.
1: I still find it odd. I don't know why. I just find it really strange that three singles... I mean, in a way, the the fact that there was four non-Australian singles on there was great because it meant that people had them if they maybe, you know, obviously they weren't diehard fans and bought the album. Um, but I... Did find it a little odd that Heartbeat was a top ten single, Better the Devil, you know, you know, was top thirty. Here it, you know, there were Here and Now was a single that they weren't include, and Here and Now was like a recent single, so I did always find that a bit strange that they admitted those.
0: Funnily enough, um, we, uh,
1: we, we didn't
0: get those singles that were released in Australia on album. but we did get the WIP remix of Five Six Seven Eight and Tragedy as a bonus track. Yes, and. It did peak somewhere in this region. It peaked at number 17 in New Zealand, so it's not all doom and gloom. Chain Reaction was released posthumously because Steps were dead um, by this <laughs> stage. Um, they released posthumously on January 28, 2002. It peaked at number 41 here in Australia. The video was chosen as Channel V's right clip of the week in the first week of December. This meant that it was played every few hours each day for seven days.
1: I remember I had, I have a vivid memory of this because again, I had that VHS. It was always in the video play if I had Channel V or whatever on. And I remember I just finished exams and I remember the right clip of the week sort of clip coming up. And then it went to chain reaction, and I screamed. I must have squealed like a little girl. I was <laughs> beside myself. Not only was Steps on Channel V, but it was Clip of the Week. That was a massive deal. If you were Channel V, right, Clip of the Week, for people that, you know, people in the UK in particular, Channel V was maybe like, let's say, our version of MTV. Like, it's in that. That's, I guess, what, or the box? Yeah. So, for it to be Clip of the Week, it was, you knew it was being played every, pretty much every hour on the hour for seven days.
0: was the first video by Steps to be played on Rage since Better the Devil You Know in March 2000. Um, the first play on Rage was at 6.35am on Saturday, the 21st of December, 2001. We had some... Backed up promotion across Smash Hits, Chain Reaction, song lyrics in February 2002 issue of Smash Hits, something we hadn't seen in over two years. Bizarrely, these magazines had both song words for Chain Reaction and articles about the split. All publicity is good publicity, right, I guess. So let's hear from Gavin about why the record company may have elected to release Chain Reaction so far after the Gold album and why he thinks the single was more successful than the past few releases and finally getting some step song words into smash hits.
4: Maybe it tied in more with promo opportunities. Again, maybe they thought, oh, we can get the band out here to promote Gold and to promote Chain Reaction, so let's hold the single off until we can get them here or get phoners or whatever, because there's no point releasing something and then getting the phoners two months later. So there were lots of reasons for for schedule changes or things getting bumped forward or bumped back or, or that kind of thing. And yeah, it was a bit weird for the album to come out and then the single, so I can only imagine that it was one of those kind of things that it made sense to do it that way. Everyone knows Chain Reaction in Australia. It was a number one single in 1986 And so all those people working in radio and TV would have grown up with that song and like me, and would have been like, oh my gosh, it's chain reaction, but with big drums. And so I think that played a part that, that recognition of, oh, I love this song. I love this song, whatever, what, 15 years ago. And they've done a really good version of it. So I think that was part of it. Um, And yeah, if they were on channel V that would have been part of it. I think everyone loves a greatest hits album that would have been part of it. And I guess if the narrative was this band have had enough hits in the UK to warrant a best of, which obviously they did, you know, we all know that. So I think that changes the story as well. So I think there are a lot of things at play, but yeah, mostly chain reaction. I mean, Tragedy did so well. Again, known song, same songwriters. And then Chain Reaction did well-ish as well off that recognition factor. So, yeah. But I was going to take the entire credit because I put the song words in Smash Hits. You did. <laughs> I mean, you did. And I, can I tell you, I distinctly,
1: because again, like we were saying before, I was buying Smash Hits every single month by this point and. And it's, you know, every month seeing something Steps related in there, I would squeal and go, oh, my God, there's Steps in Smash hits I distinctly remember the song words being there that month. So I love the fact that I, you're the one responsible. I, I remember, like, um, Shane, you touched on it before, and I said this when we chatted to Gavin. I felt like at this particular time, it's a shame that what happened happened. Because it felt like the wheels were in motion again. Yes. Right? It felt like for the first time in years, Steps were were back. They were getting the coverage again in the magazines. They were on TV. Yep. It it really felt like there could have had 2002 been another Steps year. It really felt like we potentially could have got that, you know, them coming back to Australia for a promotional tour. Yeah. And, it, yeah, it's it's a shame that we didn't get what we get. But I, rem- I do remember the song words. I vividly remember buying that copy of Smash Hits at the milk bar around the corner from my parents' house and probably, again, squealing like a kid <laughs> when I saw that full-page song words in Smash Hits because that was a big deal, right? Song words in the Smash it Hits. It really was.
2: It was the image that they ended up using for the cover of Baby Don't Dance as well. It was. When it went to number forty-one, I'll—I never forget being so upset because there was take forty Australia, and it was one to forty, and it was Faithless who beat them to forty, and I think I'm still a little bit angry at Faithless, to be completely honest.
1: <laughs> I actually think had they not split up, it probably would have charted higher. I actually f- remember feeling a bit underwhelmed that it charted so low because it—I because rem- it got so much coverage from like you know cuz this was back in the day where videos were on TV like a, m- a month before they were released so yeah. it had been getting coverage since the beginning of December that by the end of January and the split probably didn't help it's yeah it's a shame that you know
2: the split actually might have helped again as you know Shane you just said all publicity is good publicity and they needed that in Australia they needed publicity i mean look 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 what
0: happened with what the future holds they did some live TV crossovers and talked about the release of that, and the album went into the top 20.
1: I also wanted to touch on, with Chain Reaction, again, the One for Sorrow thing, because this is something that we talk about a lot around the US mix of One for Sorrow, and a lot of people quiz us on why, you know, we talk about how we, Shane, you and I, kind of prefer the US mix as our go-to, not that we don't love the original, so does and so to Faye, according to the... And me. And Brad. But, again, I want a preference that this one for sorrow was maybe an official or unofficially in a, a double a cyber chain reaction. And I do remember again, seeing the U S mix video played on video hits a couple of times around this period as well. So again, it was kind of pushed yet again. Um, so you know, it really was the version that we kept getting pushed and it was the third time essentially that it was released as a single.
2: And basically, it actually, this was the second highest peak it got. <laughs> yeah, That's
1: true. true. It's very <laughs> true. true.
2: Third time lucky. So, additionally, at this time, um, the
0: band had split, but Faye had traveled down to New Zealand to perform live at the Auckland Domain with Russell Watson in February 2002, where she performed Someone Like You and If You Believe, uh, backed by a full orchestra. Iconic. Steps live at Wembley was featured or played on Channel V as a special during 2002 minus the solos.
3: I
1: remember that.
2: I remember Jabba was like there was a pre-show to the oh event my God, Jabba. Jabba like filmed something where he was on the steps of like a Sydney stadium and he did like a full on spiel into it.
1: Yeah, I remember I remember that. God, I wish I had tapes of all these things. Yeah, I know, because I feel like I had recorded this as well. Um, The Last Dance was released in Australia
0: as a two CD and one CD in January 2003, but none of them charted. (laughs) H and Claire and Lisa both released some of their singles in Australia, and Steps would see far greater success here when they released albums from 2017 onward. We can't forget, of course, that Lisa played the iconic one-off show in Sydney, uh, at Say Cheese in two thousand and ten. Hi, that's where I met her. Which that
2: performance was iconic. Absolutely iconic. And guys, I mean this was one of the first things we wanted to do when we started talking about the podcast. We've just finished this is our Lord of the Rings, Fifty Shades of Grey. This is our trilogy. It the is. original trilogy. Yeah, it is. Peace de Resistance.
1: It is. And you know what? There's I think there's still maybe there's still a part four there. You know, as Shane mentioned, we did have H and Claire, Lisa, there was a lot of releases there. And then, of course, the resurgence of Steps in 2017. She's on the dance floor, What the Future Holds. You know, they got their highest charting album just a couple of years ago here since step one so there definitely is a possibility of a part four at some point all right well we need to again say a massive thank you to gavin from chartbeats.com.au make sure if you haven't because i'm sure most of you have but if you have not check out his podcast a journey through aussie pop and a journey through stock aiken and waterman And as I mentioned earlier in the episode, look out for the next episode that we will drop in a couple of weeks with the full interview with Gavin. And let me tell you, if you're a Steps fan, of course, you're not going to want to miss it. But if you are an Aussie pop fan, you definitely don't want to miss this episode because there was so much that Gavin talked about that I think I was just like, oh, my God, I, I could talk to Gavin for hours. It was such an insightful conversation. So look out for that. If you haven't already, you can follow us on all the socials, Instagram, TikTok, X, uh, Glitter Steps Pod. You can follow myself at Steps Collection underscore on Instagram. Shane, where can people find you?
0: You can find me at Stepmaster on Instagram or StepmasterOZ
2: on Twitter, X whatever and same for TikTok and for myself Brad Schmerling on Instagram follow me or you'll be sorry
1: (laughs) and don't forget if you're listening to us on Spotify give us a star rating or if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, give us a five star review and until then thanks for listening guys thanks everyone bye bye